Welcome to God's Planning, Contemplative Preachers, Contemporary Age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic. Hello, and welcome back to God's Planning. I am Father Gregory Pine, joining here from Switzerland, and uh, we have Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic in Washington, D.C. How are things, Father Jacob Bertrand? Yeah, I'm good. I was actually hoping for you to say something, like, say hi, Father Jacob Bertrand, so I could have pulled the line of just like, hi, <laughs> Father Jacob Bertrand, that you know you've done before. So clever, but you know I'm well. Thanks for asking. Things are things are going all right. Yeah, nothing Dig. terribly new or exciting, but uh, yeah, just kind of carrying on here in, in D.C. Semester started, and we are just kind of cruising ahead through like a, now a cold. Well, for for D.C. it's cold now, but it's not really cold in the grand scheme of things, but a cold D.C. So. That's it. Nice. And vocation things, good, bad, indifferent, excellent, catastrophic. I'll give you all kinds of options. Yeah, thanks. I guess my attitude towards them is probably indifferent, uh, but they're going well <laughs> enough. So, <laughs> nice. uh, yeah, um, no, things are well. Things are going well. So uh, kind of the spring gets a lot busier in the application world. So that's what we're doing now. We're, um, we're looking forward to hosting our uh, vocation weekends in February and April, taking all the, you know, the COVID precautions that we need, but we did that in the fall and it turned out to be really great. So we're doing the same in the spring. And, uh, that's kind of it on the vocation calendar, um, of events and that sort of thing. But, um, at least good enough and allows men a glimpse of our, of our life and, and that. So yeah. Yep. What's new in Switzerland? Probably not much, huh? Not much. People are yep. doing things. They're saying things in languages that I barely understand. I'm smiling when they do and nodding, unless they raise the inflection at the end of that sentence, and then I say, yes, of course. Um, unless I can recognize a word in that sentence to which I do not agree, and then I say, hmm, hmm, interesting, and then I just wait for them to solve their own problem. Um, so I would say that things are going well. Uh, based on my limited understanding of what's transpiring in my immediate vicinity. Um, but yes, uh, other than that, uh, let's see. Uh, everyone's gearing up, getting excited for, as it were, in Switzerland, uh, their place in the COVID vaccine dissemination kind of like plan or scheme. Um, so there are a couple of men with whom I live uh, who are in their 80s, and I know that they kind of like put their name in the lottery. But um, it has occasioned conversations at the table and certainly conversations here in the country and certainly in the United States as well. So we thought that we'd take the opportunity just to talk a little bit about the vaccine. Why? Uh, because we have credentials in science. <laughs> certainly not. Mm. Uh, no, because it's helpful sometimes just to kind of talk through the matter so that way one is just better informed as to what it is, what's going on, and the type of decision that one makes when approaching it. Um, I think that you know, in the 21st century, certainly there's, um, what would one say, not not necessarily a crisis of authority, but but a weakening of authority, as um, I think people can, can tend to be suspicious of political leaders or maybe less than excited to listen to religious leaders of whatever sort. Um, so this is, you know, intended just as a way by which to kind of chat through some of the issues that surround it and uh, shed some light. And uh, yeah, I don't know that we necessarily have like concrete proposals. Uh, we didn't bring our our, our posters that say like do this or do that but figure entertain some things yeah um, i think too the the whole we, we can't neglect the reality that everything is and especially in the u.s i don't know what it's like in switzerland i have no idea what the culture or the political um scene is like there but here in the country 
in in the country in the United States. Everything <laughs> is also so right. Everything's also so so politicized that you know you can turn on one news channel or turn on another uh, news channel, go on this website or do this Google search, and you can get completely different takes or completely different principles. So, as Father Gregory was saying, uh, we don't have a sort of pro anti vaccine agenda that we're sort of trying to subtly infuse into your minds, but like with all things, think it's good to examine the principles that inform our decision making um, from you know solid Catholic thought and teaching. Um, not solid from us. Well, hopefully solid from us, but solid from like <laughs> great minds that we rely upon. So we'll, we'll direct you to the solid reasoning of others, which mm-hmm. we ourselves have uh, appropriated. Um, so uh, yeah, first point being that lots of people are saying lots of things, but we can kind of class them in two general ways. So there's some people who are saying that you have a moral responsibility to get the vaccine. Um, and there are some people who are saying that you have a moral responsibility, far fewer people uh, saying that you have a moral responsibility not to get the vaccine. Obviously, there are people who are saying other things that are, and, and many people are saying things that are more subtle and nuanced, but just kind of group them in these categories. Um, and some of the reasons that you hear, again, not exhaustive, but some of the reasons that you hear are for moral responsibility um, is that it's charitable, right? It's a charitable thing to do. And then also that it pertains to the common good. And then for those who say that you have a moral responsibility not to get it, uh, sometimes it's like kind of grouped under the general category of vaccines are bad or specifically this vaccine is bad. Um, And then the big one, uh, which is probably the most urgent, uh, is that it it deals with tissue of aborted children. Um, So there are reasons on the table in both camps um, and good reasons certainly to be entertained, not necessarily to be dismissed or lampooned. Um, So we just want to clear up some of the issues so as to, again, help make an informed decision. So let's start with you have a moral responsibility to get it. The first point being it's charitable. Um, You have some first thoughts, first impressions, anything that that registers for you there. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we have to in order to make these distinctions, we have to understand what, you know, what pertains to charity or how does how is charity applied to the to our to our living. And I think that. Uh, you know, the the hierarchy or the ordering of charity is important to enunciate first, right? So like, to whom do we owe charity? To whom do we owe love and those those virtues and those goods that fall under um, that, that uh, theological virtue of charity? So uh, as Christians, uh, we understand, and hopefully other people do too, that our, our first, the first in the order of charity is it's not me. It's not that the world revolves around me, but it's God. You know that our lives are ordered by or through charity to to God, to love of God and love of God in Himself. Um, second on that list, though, in the order of charity is not is not others, but ourselves. You know, it's it's that we, it's God ourselves. You know, we have to love ourselves and and, and look out. As, this sounds kind of selfish, but look and act for our own good so as to be able to love others. You know, if if our own good is is not um, pursued, then we actually can't pursue the good of others or we can't love others. Um, and others are, you know, third in at least this truncated list. So God, self, others. So um, I think that's important to recognize that that charity is actually there's an order to charity and that order to charity ought to define then how we interact with with one another so in a in this in this instance of talking about a vaccine um the that order of charity is uh is important because we have to look at it with respect to 
God, how does this vaccine, and this might seem sim- silly, but how does this, how does a vaccine or how does engaging in the moral questions surrounding a vaccine and reacting to that affect my relationship with God? How does it affect myself, but also how does it affect my relationship with others? I think that's, that's an important kind of hierarchy to, to register in our own minds. Yeah, and because the, the God, Self, Others ranking is so contrary to what many people would learn in Sunday school, um, it, it kind of merits like, yeah, just, just maybe just a touch more consideration because I think that we have in our minds that you can either be loving, which is to say like altruistic, or you can be selfish, which is to say, you know, self-regarding. Um, but that's not right. That's not necessarily a, a, a Christian teaching. I think that's a kind of false dichotomy, right? We're actually commanded or encouraged to love others as we love ourselves, right? Obviously to love others as the Lord loves, um, but that's, that's mixed in with the commandment, you know, to love others as we love ourselves. And I think the basic idea there is we love God because, you know, God is, is most interior to us of anything in the world, right? God gives us our very being. God makes us to act. And so God is nearer to ourselves than we are, in fact. But then when it comes to, you know, those over whom you have immediate care, the next person to be considered is yourself. Um, and that subsequently you make considerations of those who are kind of part of you, right? Or those who pertain to you or those whose goods... Uh, you've been charged with the care of. So it's not so much a matter of like altruism or of, you know, egotism, as it is a matter of considering like, for whom am I responsible or over whom has the Lord given me care? And I think that that, you know, that, that, that works some way towards dispelling this notion that I always have to be other regarding or I'm thereby selfish and sinful, uh, because that's, that's not necessarily the case. So that may be just, um, you know, it makes the matter a little more textured, a little more nuanced, a little more subtle. But uh, perhaps now we can move on to our next point. So again, we're talking about you have the moral responsibility to get it, it is said. For one reason that is cited is charity. The next reason that you often hear is because it, it pertains to the common good. Uh, so Father Jacob Birch, you want to set us up for a little discussion yeah. here on the common good? Yeah, again, I think we have to establish what precisely is the common good in order to... Uh, to talk about it so quickly you know the common good we so when we talk about when we talk about the common good often we think of things in in earthly terms or things that um, build up uh, society culture um, the politic those kind of things that conduce to good living in those circumstances but ultimately our, our the, the real sort of end of the common good in the christian context is is god that that society culture the politic the world in which we live is built in such a way that each person can pursue god as the ultimate good uh now of course that that, that doesn't negate the reality that there are um ordered goods or lesser goods underneath and goods of undoubted value you know so for example family life children these sorts of things love friendship and then you know even further down like uh you know um having a good meal enjoying these sorts of things there are all these goods that we pursue but it's important to have in mind um, the the question of well ultimately what do all of those things combine together what are they what are they after and that's that's union with God um, so uh, turning to the virus that or turning to a vaccine then is um, in a sort of moral responsibility realm uh, does getting a vaccine contribute to that common good um, well I think in some ways yes but not absolutely speaking i don't think that having a vaccine or getting a vaccine um, necessarily makes one more capable of pursuing um, their highest good of their life but i do think it can it can contribute to it in other ways you know by preserving life for example uh you you know 
creating a society where we don't have to continually live under fear or worry or wear masks or put others in danger. Like all of these things are, are good and, and important goods. Um, but they are relative to, to that ultimate good that the, that our common living is, is really seeking or should be seeking. Yeah. I think, um, I was thinking here about, um, uh, a line from one of, uh, John Henry Newman's sermons where he says basically like a single venial sin is worse than the destruction of the entire universe. And you're like, wow, jeepers. Um, and the reason he says it in those stark terms is because maybe you don't say jeepers unless you're like Thelma from Scooby-Doo. Um, or, but yeah, uh, the reason he says it in those stark terms, <laughs> the reason he says it in those stark terms is to bring before our eyes the fact that a moral evil is far, far worse than a natural evil. And so what we're dealing with is unparalleled for, for many of us, right? In our lifetime, we haven't encountered anything the likes of the likes of which compares to this pandemic. And so sometimes it can seem like the worst thing imaginable, but it's not, right? So so sin is worse. And when it comes to the common good, the, the best contribution that we ourselves make is by being saints. Um, so it's not just a matter of like, you know, if I wear my mask and if I get my vaccine, then I am a secular saint. It's like, well, I mean, we're not so much interested in being secular saints. I think it's good to contribute to the common good of the polity, but you know, the, the common good of the polity is something that is related, like you said, bound up with the common good of the family, and it's ordered to, like, the common good of the church, the common good of God, who is, St. Thomas says, the common good of the whole universe. So there's there's a hierarchy to it, and so we shouldn't think about um, our contribution to it in, like, base or materialistic or kind of, like, leveling terms. It's something that should be part of a bigger picture, a transcendent order to, you know, the God who gives us life, who gives us grace, who calls us to him. Um, so yeah, that's just, again, to kind of put it in the context of a bigger conversation. So with yeah, that, then, when, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, when I think of then of the question of like, am I morally responsible, um, for, you know, what, what's the answer to this kind of moral kind of thing, or how do you, how do you approach it? I, I think that we can say in charity and in, in the pursuit of the common good, that there is a responsibility, but I don't think it's a responsibility that binds always and everywhere. If you kind of lay out what we just said, you know, and as we'll talk about more in the episode, but just to kind of re respond to that first question that father Gregory, you know, put forth, is there a moral responsibility? Perhaps in some ways, is there an absolute binding sort of, um, responsibility well i think that's a bit more nuanced as we you know are fleshing out today yeah and and um a good analogy for that would be so we all as human beings have a have a natural inclination um saint thomas says to to procreate and educate our children right We're, we all are naturally inclined to family life um so that's that's a good for human beings and it's necessary for the upbuilding of society it's necessary for like the continuing unto generation after generation but does that mean that everyone is responsible for getting married and having kids um if so then we are most Yikes. to be pitied among men <laughs> right yeah. so it's it's something that's again more subtle more nuanced it uh it admits of exceptions um if those exceptions pertain in their own way in their proper way to the common good so with that, with that discussion then of whether you have a moral responsibility to get it under the aspect of charity and common good, we'll take a short break here. And when we come back, we'll talk about the arguments on the opposite side. This is God's Planning. Get up to date on all our latest episodes at opeast.org slash God's Planning. And welcome back to God's Planning. Father Gregory Pine here. You knew that because 
that interruption was only like 31 seconds long, and it wasn't nearly long enough to constitute something that would pose a real distraction to your focus. But, hey, you uh, you made it, so congratulations. Um, we're back here talking about COVID vaccines. Uh, so whether one is responsible for getting one, whether one is responsible for not getting one, it's a kind of complicated way of saying it, but there you go. Um, Father Jacob Bertrand, you studied science, uh, broadly mm. so-called. Uh, I don't actually know what all is involved in science because I haven't studied science since high school. Um, I did some mathematics, which is like science for people who, you know, would prefer not to think about real not stuff. Just, yeah, exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who were born with, you know, pocket protectors just hanging out in their breast pocket. Um, <clears throat> so um, maybe just to kind of get in then to these, these questions about uh, like, okay, so we said the two, the two big arguments against getting it is because the like vaccines or this vaccine in particular are somehow bad or pose significant risks or threats. And then the question about aborted uh, children, uh, like fetal tissue, as it were. Uh, so we'll treat that one second. But the first one about vaccines are bad. You've got some science knowledge. Lead us in. Yeah, so I don't have any science knowledge, Father Gregory, but thanks. That's, that's really <laughs> setting me up to fail. I have a science degree from my undergraduate work, which was like eons ago. I'm very old now. So, uh, but yeah, so um, vaccines are bad. I think there's, I think in some ways that, you know, there are certainly people who are whatever against vaccines or have problems with vaccines or issues with vaccines. And, but I do think that by and large, there isn't really an anti-vaxxer kind of, um, I don't know, like culture in the country. You know, I think most people are reasonable and want to put things um, in their body that are good or at least not harmful. So I, I don't think that, I think sometimes we kind of, there there's uh, an easy kind of caricature that people, you know, if somebody stops to wonder, well, what am I putting in my body? Then they find, they, they fall into this sort of radical, whether super left or super right, because there are arguments on both sides, but like kind of anti-vaxxer, unreasonable. And I just don't think, I don't know, I maybe there are people like that, but I think by and large, uh, that's not the case. But I think that, you know, vaccines, the question of, whether or not vaccines are bad, I think it really boils down to whether or not they, uh, you know, they they harm the individual or the common good. I don't think we would want to take medic- medicines or medications that would be, um, you know, harmful to the individual, but good to others. And I don't think we would want to take medicines that are good to the individual, but harmful to others that, and I think by and large vaccines don't fall into either of those two categories. Um, Obviously, uh, the COVID vaccine, I think, falls in a different or uh, another category here because it's so new and because it's so, you know, has so little research behind it as a vaccine as in itself. Now, of course, the parts that were used to to make the vaccine, you know, that using mRNA, that that research has been around for decades and decades, and the cell lines that they've been using have been around for decades. And, you know, like the, all of these things are not new, but they've been put together in a new way and are being put into the human body in a new way. So I think that it does beg the question, or at least um, I think responsible people should, uh, or it's a responsible thing to do to say, well, is this good? Not in a sense of like distrust medical professionals outright, but you know, to read what's in it, to read, you know, do your research, do you look at if, uh, what's going on besides just saying like moral, moral responsibility to not get it, moral responsibility to get it as a sort of robot in that kind of way. Yeah, I think that, I mean, my, my, my general opinion, just like kind of departing from where you left off is that um, like questions of this sort, I think are beyond my competence. 
And I think they're beyond a lot of people's competence, mm. which isn't to say that um, they can't be known by us, but that um, you know we have to rely on the research of those who are competent. And um, again, this kind of goes back to the question of authority and who does one trust and where does one look to find those whom he or she trusts, which is tough right now because I think a lot of people are, are feeling burned by that. And that's tough, but um, it seems like a kind of urgent issue, so just as a kind of... Uh, encouragement to do some of the work. So, yeah, there are reasons that that this vaccine is different, right? There hasn't been a kind of max vaccination vaccination like this uh, that I know of. <laughs> um, you know, there wasn't a vaccine for SARS-CoV-1. Um, the turnaround was quick, and the testing process was accelerated. And you know, this is some some of the first vaccines deployed with this type of technology. But it seems that it's borne out by research as far as, you know, like one with lay knowledge of these matters can discern. And um, you had mentioned an article by one of our brothers, Father Nicanor Ostriaco, who yeah. is, um, you can maybe direct people to that, but. Yeah, yeah. So Father Nicanor Ostriaco is a Dominican <clears throat> friar of our province, um, has a doctorate in moral theology and a doctorate in, I believe it's molecular, molecular biology, but I could be wrong on on exactly what it is, but I know it's from MIT. Very smart man. Um, <laughs> he has an article in um, in Church Life Journal. Uh, it's just called A Priest Scientist Responds to Concerns Raised by the Ramping Up of Vaccination Campaigns. I read that very strangely, so I apologize for that. But that's the title Go of it. it. So you can look it up. Uh, Father Nicanor, you know, go, Father Nicanor also teaches at Providence College, but he, he kind of goes through um, his understanding of what's in the vaccine, sort of how one as a Catholic, both with respect to charity and the common good, ought to respond to receiving the vaccine, but also kind of looks at a couple of the pieces that, you know, at least I've seen in the news, the sort of questions about infertility, the questions about reactions with mRNA and our own DNA and these sort of things. So it's not terribly long and it's it's meant for general consumption. It's not a it's not like a peer reviewed scientific article. But I checked that out. So Father Nicanor Ostriaco, I found that to be a helpful read, actually, even, you know, for myself. So a, a good yeah. resource. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, the summary on this would be consult the science, try to cut through the spin as much as one can in like a 21st century spin saturated world. Um, yeah. Just to, just to kind of get down to what's actually at stake. Uh, so then that brings us to our last of the arguments that we're trying to kind of um, yeah, tease out the implications of or shed some light on. And this one, again, like we said at the beginning, is the most urgent. Uh, so there's uh, certainly concern, big concern, um, urgent concern over uh, the use of cell lines or germ lines uh, that uh, are derived from tissue of aborted children, some from, it seems, the 1970s or from the 1980s. Um, yeah, can you can you take us through what that means or what's involved? Yeah, so um, if we're looking at the cells, so that there are, as far as what's on, uh, as you probably, you know, those of you who are listening probably already know because this is this is no secret. But there, there are basically essentially three vaccines that are out there: three, two for the the Pfizer and the Moderna, um, and then the AstraZeneca is the third. The the Pfizer and the Moderna, um, in their development, in and in, in the vaccine that's being distributed, doesn't. They, they don't use aborted uh, fetal cell lines in their in their research and their development or in the vaccine that's being that's being distributed. It did do for part of the trials, the in lab, the, the in, in the laboratory, they did test on cell lines from aborted fetuses from uh, they, they're called HEC 93 or HEK 93 fetal cell lines. Um, 
they're they're basically kidney cells that were gathered from an aborted fetus in the 1970s um, that have been replicated in in the lab to, in labs to basically do this sort of testing on these cells. Um, so they're not, but it's the important thing. I guess there are the distinction here is that those cells, those from the aborted fetus cell lines, are not in the vaccine themselves. Uh, the AstraZeneca is different. The AstraZeneca does rely on aborted fetal cells for the replication of, as far as I understand, for the for the creation of the vaccine. So, in um, at least if you're looking at things that are coming out of from the church, from the Holy See, from the USCCB, um, they, they're very clear to make a distinction between this, the Pfizer Moderna and the AstraZeneca vaccine that um, we'll talk about, the Father Gregory will probably talk about this in a second, that the Pfizer Moderna are with, when we're talking about cooperation with evil, are much more distant than the Moderna, or than the AstraZeneca would be because of the use of these, of these aborted um, stem cells and, and other cells that are, that are in them. Yeah, so with that, let's just, I mean, launch into a discussion then of cooperation with evil. So from the outset, it has to be acknowledged that this is a complicated, um, what would one say? Yeah, it's a complicated kind of debate in the life of the church. Not to say that it's everything's up for grabs, but uh, there are finer points that remain kind of contested among Catholic theologians and have been contested for centuries. Um, which doesn't mean, though, that there isn't broad consensus as to what constitutes cooperation with evil. Um, that's just to say that the conversation ends up being, as a result, somewhat technical. And so I think that it can be easy for someone who you know doesn't, doesn't have a training in moral theology to be somewhat overwhelmed by it. Um, why am I saying that? Because we are going to make it absolutely like clear as, you know, clear as day, clear as a bell, clear as, never mind, I don't know what the actual thing is. Um, no, because I, like, I myself sometimes... Yeah, I, I mean, I listened to a bunch of um, lectures about it while hiking uh, in preparation for this, and at the end of it, I was like, I think I understand this, but I also don't understand certain parts of it. So if you find it overwhelming, that's okay. All right, we're just going to walk through some of the basics, so that way you have a basic sense of what's being discussed when it does come up in conversation. Basically, um, it's called cooperation because the person concerned is doing some action with somebody who is you know, the main operator, as it were, so you're cooperating. <clears throat> and it's a matter of evaluating whether that cooperation is sinful or non-sinful. And it just basically depends on how you contribute to the moral act of the principal agent. So in any moral act, there's the thing that you're doing, there's the thing that you kind of like ultimately want, and then there are the pertinent circumstances. So going back to the hiking example, what was I doing? Um, okay, so I was hiking, so I was walking to a point and then turning around and coming back. But then you might ask like, well, why did you go hiking? It seems silly that you would, you know, go to a place and then return to the same place. I mean, we're talking about seven hours for zero displacement and, you know, judging by your haggard features, you don't need to burn any calories. So what, what could you possibly have wanted to do? Well, I wanted to like, you know, go on a walk. I wanted to uh, see beautiful things. I wanted to listen to a bunch of Thomistic Institute podcasts, right? So, so let's just pick one of those. I wanted to see beautiful things. So I, I went on a walk to see beautiful things and the pertinent circumstances would be like, I was in the Swiss Alps. Okay. So the beautiful things that I saw were especially beautiful. Um, so when we're evaluating that, when we ask whether is this, whether this is a moral act, we have to take into account principally like what, what were you doing it for? You know, so like is seeing beautiful things good? Yeah, I think that's good. Well, did you go about it in the right way? You know, what if I said like I really want to see this particular beautiful thing always and everywhere, right? So I'm going to buy up all the property. Actually, I'm going to steal all of the property around the lake so only I can see it. You know, like that would not be a good way by which to go about seeing the beautiful things. 
Um, uh, but rather, I went about it in the way that's appropriate. You know, I drove a car, I parked it, I went and took a walk, I saw the beautiful things, and I got back in my car, and then I drove. And um, so everything about that act kind of it holds up, right? Um, everything about that act is morally praiseworthy. But if we go ahead and the you know like we come to discover that that part of that act isn't morally praiseworthy, then that for us becomes you know a question for concern. So at that point, you're you're you know you're able to evaluate: is this act good or is this act bad? And if bad, for what reason? And then as a cooperator, you're asking the question, how am I contributing to that? Am I like really joining myself to the bad actor in a wholehearted way? Or am I giving something to the actor that makes it so that, you know, he can achieve his end, he can achieve his purpose, and without my contribution, he wouldn't be able to do so? Or is my contribution, you know, kind of like lower grade, trivial, less important? So I think that like, you know, in our in our ordinary practice of life, we experience the difference between like really giving yourself to something and then only doing so in a trivial way. I don't know. Father Jacob Burchin, what are some like everyday examples of like trivial things or everyday examples of big ticket items? Yeah, so at least on the on the less important the trivial side, I think something that often comes up is like do we support um or do we do we pa- patronize is that when you go somewhere to buy things patronize? Yeah. 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 Do we patronize uh, organizations that support um, Planned Parenthood, for example? Is it is it good to drink Starbucks coffee? Well, we know that Starbucks as as an organization, as a corporation, donates directly to Planned Parenthood. Um, they they do that. It's, I don't know if it's in there. It's not probably not in their mission statement, but, it, you know, you can find that pretty regu- pretty readily. Um, but is my buying a cup of coffee from Starbucks um cooperating with Starbucks donation to Planned Parenthood in such a close, close way that it that my action of buying coffee becomes sinful. Well, in that circumstance, we're we're so removed from from, you know, Starbucks decision and actual um, donation to to Planned Parenthood that it doesn't I you know, I don't think that it it uh, it is sinful to, to buy or drink Starbucks coffee. Um, on the other side of things the you know, we could look at We'll use Planned Parenthood again. They're an easy example here. Um, obviously, the doctor who's performing an abortion is is committing a moral evil. You know, there's there's an evil act there. Um, but what about the people who work in Planned Parenthood? What about the nurse who assists? Well, the nurse who assists, there's a nurse. You know, I I assume that you need a nurse to to have to perform the the abortion. So the nurse who assists is essential to that. So though she's not performing it, she is cooperating in a, in a, such a way that without her, the act wouldn't happen. You know, so she's necessary to that, though she's not the primary agent. So because she's so closely linked, or he is so closely linked, um, we would say that there's there's a moral evil being done um, in that circumstance. So hopefully that kind of gives a sense of of space and and closeness to to what's what's being done. Yeah, and I think something too, just one other kind of like layer of complexity is. It's not just enough to say, like, I don't want what this person wants. So in the case of the nurse, say she is pro-life, but this is the only job that she could find. And if she loses this job, then she can't support her family and things will go south very quickly. Well, it's, it's still sinful, right? Because it's not just a matter of having the right intentions. Because if what you do, you know, with your body signifies that you are for this thing, um, in a in a real like we would say proximate way, or you kind of give yourself to a way to it in a way that's immediate, then that would still be kind of like considered part of your intention, because you intend in effect what you do. 
Um, so it's not just like a, a mental event or a matter of mental gymnastics. So on the one hand, we, we do think that reason makes a contribution to moral acts, right? So intention is important. But on the other hand, like what you do makes a really significant contribution to moral acts. So we don't want to tend to one extreme or to the other and end up excluding some essential feature. So, um, yeah, so when we, when we you know, like uh, take a vaccine that uses either for production or for testing uh, or for development um, cell lines that are derived from aborted fetuses, we in, a, we in a certain sense kind of give ourselves to that practice. And so we would talk about it, and the language that you often hear is remote material cooperation with evil. So it's not formal because we're not saying, I intend this, nor does our act really say that we're giving ourselves to it wholeheartedly. But it's material in that, you know, we, we, we tender some currency, we give some money. Um, and, you know, the, the circumstances are somewhat mitigating by virtue of the fact that there aren't other options presently, right? And because the, the stakes are so high in the current kind of crisis. Um, but I think that, um, yeah, there are kind of uh, other other... I don't know, other ways by which um, we can kind of mitigate uh, the, not the culpability, but the evilness of that action in the sense that, um, one, we are encouraging of the development of vaccines that are made by alternate means. And certainly the church's teaching on this has been consistent and other means have been pursued. I, I know like my, my brother is a third year PhD student in cellular and molecular biology. He works in a gene therapy and vaccines lab. He actually works in an mRNA lab. Um, and this, you know, this for him is a big question. And like his, his hope is after, uh, after getting his degree is to found a, you know, an ethically sound genetics company so that he can provide alternatives to some of these things. So it's like, it's very much in the Catholic mindset. So we don't want to say by our actions that we condone this, that it's fine, that we'll deal, you know, we'll get over it. We'll accommodate the, you know, the modern world. We don't, we're not saying that, you know, we're, we're continuing to profess what it is that we believe to, to preach the gospel, um, you know, and, and, and serve as a, as a sign of contradiction and a witness. So yeah, the yeah, sorry the um, go ahead yeah the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops does I I think in their in their letter on this or their their um, document on the moral considerations regarding the new COVID vaccines does a really good job of explaining precisely why it's it's okay to receive the um, the the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines how they're sort of far enough away from. Um, from the use of those of those fetal cells that they used in testing, um, and also in certain circumstances where it'd be okay to use the the AstraZeneca vaccine, um, but it does so. This document does so with respect to the things that we were you know beginning that we began our episode with um, with respect to the questions of charity and the common good in this extreme circumstance with with a global pandemic. You know how do, how do we as Catholics then react to something you know something concrete that 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 is affecting you know the entire world is is our is our getting the vaccine um something that would be morally compromising uh you know in 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 this case with the Pfizer and the Moderna the answer is no it's not it's we're you know far enough away from the the participation in an evil act that um it doesn't pose a moral problem uh for for those of us the the AstraZeneca in certain circumstances it would pose a moral problem um specifically here if there were the options not to get you know the other options to 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 get the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine so um I think through a lot of what we've been talking about, things become, as, as Father Gregory was explaining before talking about cooperation, that things are 
complicated and and they are and i think part of our responsibility as as good and prudent catholics is to kind of dive into the complicated moral reality of this so as to make good decisions and not just sort of follow um, the blind commands of this or that news channel or or what whatever we see online or that sort of thing and and to trust that we have this sort of intellectual capacity to spend a little time thinking about what it is that, that we're doing in these in these moments yeah yeah so those i mean those would be the main things that we wanted to kind of um what would you say summarize or uh walk through um on the one side you know considerations of charity considerations of the common good on the other side just kind of general scientific concerns about vaccines and then specifically this moral concern about cooperation and we hope you know like as a as a way by which to gen genuinely free you not in the sense that you know the way the world talks about freedom like you've got tons of options do whatever you know like whatever the heck you darn well please but in the sense of like you know to be free for excellence to choose something that's good that represents your good your flourishing ultimately unto the glory of god um so yeah those are uh, those are some reasons. We hope they're helpful. Certainly not experts in any of those categories, but uh, hopefully we can, you know, help direct to, to some resources that are more comprehensive and more searching in their knowledge. So yeah, those are my thoughts, Father Jacob Bertrand. Any any closings? Uh, I don't think so. I think that's it. <laughs> that's all we have to say. There's nothing hey. more. That's it. That's it. Um, so thanks so much for uh, joining us on this episode of God's Planning. We hope that it will have been uh, yeah, helpful for you. Um, what are some other things that we say at the end of episodes? I will now say them, and I will say them in the proper order. Please, concretely, check out things that are worth checkouting. Uh, so yeah, we, we post uh, videos on YouTube. We recently um, invested in a service which makes those videos less atrocious, um, so maybe they'll be worth looking at. Chances are decent. Mm. At the very least, you can see the interior of Father Jacob Burchin's office, which I know you've been dying to see. Uh, so yeah, check things out on YouTube and do subscribe to the channel. And then uh, please like and share on whatever podcast app you're on, and then write a review because that does something with math and algorithms and science, and then it makes it so that other people see that, and then they believe in Jesus, and then they go to heaven. Um, so yeah, stakes are pretty high, so just you know, Annie up. And um, yeah, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, so that way we can make videos that are less atrocious and also make other things that are good too. Um, so again, our prayers are for you. Please pray for us and we will chat with you next time on God's Planning. Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.